We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good. <laughs> oh, I lost my voice. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You're gonna follow me on Twitter. And it's Wednesday, July fifth. I hope you had a good, good Fourth of July, good Independence Day. Hopefully, you came out. You didn't blow your hand off with some fireworks or anything, right? The people that watch this show, they don't do that stupid stuff, right? Hey, you never know. Maybe. Maybe, maybe you did. Yet, I'm not going to ask you guys if you blew if you blew your hand off with fireworks. You don't have to hit the thumbs up button because you probably can't, right? I don't know how you get to your mouse, right? You blew your hand off. But for those that still have their fingers, hit the thummy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs. Hit the thumbs up button, the like button, the subscribe button, the notification bell. Hit everything. Hit everything if you can. We're unstructured learning about DFS strategy. You want a more more comprehensive look? You get the Theory of Dale Fantasy Sports 15 hour audio DFS masterclass, as well as the Advanced Players Guide, which includes the custom Excel tools, perfect addition to go along with Lineup HQ here at Roto Grinders. You can pick up both at theoryofdfs.com. Tank Forever says can confirm typing this good morning with my nose. Okay, I guess he blew up his hands. Does that still happen? Does that still even happen anymore? Right, I mean, people did. I, I, it must, it must. I mean, what type of fireworks are you blowing on? What, what? I have no idea. Obviously, last night, I, I, I my dog's going nuts. Right, this. I'm in kind of in a suburbanish area, so it's not like that close to me. But whatever. So, and two in the morning, people are still setting off fireworks. Come on, what's the, what's the deal? Who cares? Who cares about it? Just a normal, just a normal day. Right. So, oh, we, we, I, I, so, someone, someone said to me, it's like, oh, why do you have to be, why do you have to be such a pain in the ass? So, so we gained our independence today. We, we have the right to celebrate. We didn't do anything. We weren't around. We weren't around back then. We didn't do nothing. Right. We just happened to be born here. We live here. And yeah, it, it's nice. Our independence is nice, but we didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. So stop the fireworks. Old man yelling at cloud or whatever. And the guy, get off my wall. Whatever. But uh, but good morning. 
Wataz, early birds, Brian C. Uh, decent slate yesterday in MLB. I don't know if you guys played it. Uh, we got we got a big slate uh, today. And uh, I just wanted to go through uh, because I got some questions in. Some just like generalized questions about like adjusting ownership type of thing. The types of stuff that I do like manually that I maybe uh, don't get sh- don't get shown here, I guess. Uh, for the most part is that, you know, my adjustments are two things. One, I do it like I'm, I'm talking about this is like 20 minutes before the slate starts. So it's like I'm never I I don't know I don't know what I should be adjusting this ownership to I, I have no idea right now at eleven in the morning and number two it's not a scientific process it's a completely like, I think this guy is going to be more owned so I'm gonna I think it's this right I don't look to have it add up to a hundred or anything because I really don't care about like well is Ma- Ma- Michael Soroka going to be one point five two percent owned or is he going to be two point two six percent owned like I don't care about that it's really the main the that the 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 players that are more likely to be in my lineups. I I need to get the ownership more correct for a reason because the lineups that I play, I want to have the proper leverage of projection versus ownership. So to just show that fact, I wanted I wanted to spend today going through the the trimming process. Like in theory, DFS, and we have a custom Excel tool called the Portfolio Trimmer. That will do this for you automatically. But I've shown that in lineup HQ, you can do this manually yourself. By you build lineups, and then you remove any lineup that has a higher projection, that has a higher ownership than the lineup above it that has a lower projection. So essentially, if the first lineup is 180 projection, 100 ownership, and the next lineup is 170 projection, uh, it sh- it should be lower than a hundred percent ownership. If it's a hundred and two, that means as as the as the projection goes down, the ownership should go down with it. So removing those lineups and what that does as a byproduct, if you do it, it will show you what players are more overowned or more underowned. So the pl- so the players that have ownership that you barely get any of, those players are too high owned. For their projection. It doesn't mean you can't make plus EV lineups with them, but that's the byproduct of that process. And the ones that show up a lot, you have like, oh, I have like I have 68% of this like 3% owned player. Well, that means that that player's projection is much higher than his expected ownership. So one way you could do this is by just running lineups. Now I'm just gonna run 25 man stack lineups with the current bat projections as of what 1107 in the morning. So obviously, if you're watching this and did, don't take this as any advice for this card, the, the slate tonight. It's just, it's just I'm using these numbers as if like they're, they're gospel. This is what they're going to be. They're going to change. So if I build 20 lineups, for instance, right, five man stack, right, and you don't even have to do that. I mean, just typically baseball lineups in, on DraftKings are going to have five man stacks, right? So it's look, you get a lot of Devers, Lopez. I mean, basically because you know you're just getting the highest projected. 20 lineups. I mean, you with five man stacks, no diversity, no nothing, right? Just whatever. Okay. We take a look at pitchers, right? 100% Pablo Lopez, 18% Bobby Miller, 10, 10% Seth Lugo right now. Okay. So you get all, you get all the Pablo Lopez. Now, if we start cutting out, like we see here, this is automatically sorted by fantasy points. So the projection is just goes down from here. We take away 175.04 is the highest. This one is 168 below it. So as we go down, the ownership should go down also. See, this lineup is 174, but it's actually lower projected than the lineup above it. So we're going to get rid of it, right? We have to beat one 168.93. This is 167.38. 176, see, this is, this is too high owned, right? It goes down in projection, but the ownership doesn't go down. It goes back up. So you get rid of that line, right? 167.38, 169.42. That's more ownership also. Get rid of that. 165, okay. So as we go down, 
Ownership sum, 165. 172, nope, we get rid of that. 174, we get rid of that. 175, we get rid of that. 166, we get rid of that. 173, 171. Okay, here's 164. All right, so now we're still going down. It's all linear. 162, 158, 163, no good. 168, no good. 163, yep, nope, that's no good either. Okay, we got 166 down here. Nope, that's no good. Okay. So we can see here, I mean, you do this with more lineups, but with 20 lineups, we can see, we go to player exposures, right? You get all the Raphael Devers, all the J Jaron Duran, David Hamilton. I mean, we should really be doing this with more with more lineups. I, I think it'll be easier to, to show this way. Maybe I'll even, I'll even, nah, I was going to bring up the theory DFS tool, but I don't think I have time to necessarily set that up here. So let's, oh, let's get a little bit more diversity just to get more lineups. Cause obviously you're going to get all the Pablo. I mean, we started out with all the, the Red Sox and the Lopez anyway. So obviously that's going to show up, but like Yoshida, Connor Wong, looks like the Red Sox may actually be under, maybe under owned, but I don't know. We just don't have any, enough lineups. So let's, Let's 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 build more lineups. Okay, so let's let's build let's build a hundred. Let's do this process for a hundred. I can do this quickly. Okay, and let's. I mean, we'll add some some okay. Let's get, get some different lineups. So unique players four. Do we add some. Do we want to add random? We could. I mean, it just it doesn't matter. We have four forty nine k lineups. Maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, anything else? I mean, we could add, we could add randomness, I guess. So let's just, let's add a little bit, right? Not, maybe not team level random, maybe 20%, 20, 20%, whatever. Just to get different lineups so I can, so I can show what, what happens. So here we go. Five man stacks, five X, it doesn't matter. I'm going to build a hundred lineups. Brian C. asks, as this is running. Which strategy has a higher IEV? Playing three lineups in the three entry max, or playing ten lineups in a twenty max GPP? The three entry right? Then neither. The question doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's why it would be helpful to actually watch these shows. Neither of them are a strategy. First off, what is the most? What is the most? Brian, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, and you're gonna answer in the in the YouTube chat. What, what is, what is your goal? Let's get down to even the simplest of things. What is your goal in playing DFS? My goal is to make money, okay? What is, what is the easiest way to make money? Playing against the weakest people possible, okay? You tell me there's a contest out there it doesn't matter how many entries there are, what the limits are, what the payout structure is. You're going to tell me that the people that blew the, their hands off with the fireworks are mashing their nose against the screen and playing God knows what. And that's the whole contest and me. Like That's the contest I want to play. Playing three lineups and three entry max. Would I want to play three lineups into a three-entry max that has the greatest players in the history of DFS? No bad lineups. Like, no, there's literally no bad lineups in that contest. Or 10 lineups in a 20-max GPP that has the worst players known to man. But you know what I'm going to play? The 10 lineups in the 20-max GPP. But if you told me the 20-max GPP... No bad players play. I mean, it's like literally like the bad players go down the street. I can see bad players. They go, ah, I stay away from that contest. I I, I play three line. I, they play the three max, three entry max. You know what contest I'm playing? I'm playing the three the three entry max. There's no there's no answer. There's no inherently neither of those matter. You play where the worst players are. End of story. Now, how you play each contest is going to be different, but optimally how you play each contest will be different. Playing a large, playing the Millie Maker in NFL and playing a 30-man, you know, non-guaranteed GPP required different lineups. 
right? The lineup that you play in the Millie Maker is probably not the lineup you play in the 30-man contest, right? 30-man contest, you're not going to sacrifice an NFL. You're not going to sacrifice 20 points of projection for a 30-man contest. Yeah, in the Millie Maker, you would. Regard, regardless of how strong or weak the competition is, that would be the difference of how you play each contest. Brian C. said, I like to win a GBP, but in the long run, I want to be profitable. Well, obviously, then the last thing matters more than anything. If you want to win a GPP, you got to play GPPs. Obviously. If your goal is to win a large field GPP, then you have to play large field GPPs. Yeah, but what happens if I go broke? Well, then you didn't say anything about that being any part of your goal. My goal is to make money. End of story. Doesn't matter how I do it. Literally doesn't matter. If someone's willing to play me head-to-head 500 bucks a day and builds lineups that I'm like a 9-to-1 favorite over, you, I, dude, you'll never see me in anything else. My first $500 goes into that contest. Doesn't matter. I don't get any Roto Grinders points for it. You have to stop thinking like that. That Well, how many lineups in this contest versus that? You need to start building plus EV lineups. End of story. I don't mean to scold, but that matters. If if And Brian C. asked the question that you're not going to like the answer. How do I find those bad players? If you ask the question, you're one of them. Can't spot the sucker at the table. Guess who's the sucker? Have you downloaded the CSVs? Do you know? I mean, trend-wise, the largest field GPPs are the weakest fields. The lower stakes contests are the weakest fields. In general. Now, obviously, there's, you know, the bum hunting, head-to-heads, there's stuff like that. But in general, when it comes to like tournaments, GPBs, the largest, the relay throw on on DraftKings is going to be the weakest field. They're, they're running the Mega Mini Max for three bucks. That that also is, is going to be that's going to be the weak that no that's going to be the weakest field. We've discussed this before. Download you, download and see. You're not most likely after after a month. You're not going to have to ever download the CSVs again. You're going to be like, oh, how many percentage? Of, you could you could literally import the lineups into the Theory DFS tools, into the portfolio trimmer, and then take a look at all the lineups if you want. And go, let me take a look at yesterday's lineups, what all the projections were based on your projections or whatever whatever source that you use. And you go and you see, okay, how many lineups had a projection that was like, 40 points lower than any of my lineups. And you go, okay, that's 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 probably a bad lineup. How many lineups have like absolutely no correlation in it? For baseball at least. How many lineups have, you know, ownership that's a million percent? Well, that's a bad lineup also. And you go, okay, what percentage of the contest make up those lineups? You go, oh, 27%. It's like, okay, well, there you go. Then you look at another contest. And you go, what? How, how many lineups make up that? And he goes, 17%. It's like, well, I'm the one with the more bad lineups is the easier, is the more profitable contest, most likely. You could also do it by 150 men. Like, typically, anyone that's playing 150 entries into a contest is typically a good player because you can't last long doing that. So just looking at what percentage of the lineups are from 150 matches. So like today in the relay throw, you're gonna the same people that are playing 150 in the relay throw are probably playing 150 in the mega mini max. But the mega mini max is like 47,000 entries, while the relay throw is like what 15, 16,000. So percentage-wise, right? If if 50 p if 50 people, 150, that's what 7,500 lineups. Well, 75 out of 15,000 is half the lineups. 7,500 out of 50,000 is what? 20% of the lineups? Something like that. Less than that. 15% of the lineups? 
That would be that would be a weaker contest. It would be the contest that you would be playing. Doesn't matter how many entries. Well, how many? It doesn't matter. Every lineup, the EV of every lineup is independent of one another. It doesn't matter. Obviously, the more and more lineups that you enter, the more and more confident you need to be that you're entering that you're entering good enough lineups compared to the field. Because remember, your your second lineup can't win the same amount as your first lineup. And your third lineup can't win the same amount as your first and second lineups. So as you as you add more lineups, you need to make sure that they are actually profitable. So we go through here. Okay, I built 100 lineups. Still 91% Pablo Lopez. All right, still a ton of Red Sox. Still a ton of Red Sox. Uh, what other stacks do we got? Okay, we got Red Sox. Okay, we got something. We got other people. We got other things here, right? Okay, so I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to go down. Right, we built some candidate set of lineups, 100 lineups. Get rid of this one. Okay, and I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, start getting rid of lineups. 162, 166, no good. Right, 158, 154. 152, 159 is no good. 147, you have to beat 147. Get rid of the ones in between. And obviously, I could do this in my Excel tool way easier. I'm showing it manually for those that either don't have that tool or just so you you see what it is doing. People ask me questions about the smart trim function and the theory of DFS portfolio trimmer. They don't even understand what it does. Oh, that's what tells me what lineups are plus EV. No, it doesn't tell you that. All it's doing is removing lineups in between of like, if you had to choose between this lineup and that lineup inside of your set, one is going to be slightly better than the other, slightly more EV. All the lineups can be negative EV. It's just that this one in comparison to the other one. Why, why, you, why are you playing a lineup that is lower projected and higher owned in comparison to one another when given the choice? Doesn't mean you can't play all of them. It's not doing anything special. Every everything that it gets rid of are bad lineups. It's like no, the lineups that it get rid of doesn't have to be bad line. They're not good or bad. One forty-seven. Here we beat one forty-seven. One sixty-one. One okay. Let's see. One forty-four. One forty-three. One forty-one. Let's try to beat one forty-one. One thirty-six. 136. Just keep on going. We get rid of the ones in between. We have to beat 136. That's because as we go down, the projection goes down. So the ownership should go down also. 136, we got to beat. 133. Okay, we keep that one. Keep on going down. This is a blunt, this is a blunt method. Remember, this is not like like this is not precise, but this is a blunt way using ownership sum and median projection on getting down to lineups that, at least in your set of lineups, should be higher EV than the others. And then your exposures at the end should show that if you get a lot of a guy, that they're probably underowned. If you get not much of a guy, right, that has a good projected ownership, they're probably over. It's a 133, 138. Let's get rid of 133. We gotta we gotta beat 133. Right. I did a hundred. I mean, I could do I could do like 1500 in the in the trimmer with like five sets of 300. So it doesn't have to be this slow, but I mean if you're if you're only playing like one or two, one, two, three lineups, I mean you could do you could do this stuff manually. You could build 300 and do this. I could do this. I could do 300 manually in maybe five minutes. Well, because I, I, I've been so used to doing it. That's why That's why we made an Excel tool to do it for me. 133. And we beat 133. Are we got any lineups that are under 133% owned? Keep on going. 131. Okay, we got 131. I mean, this is thrilling, thrilling uh, TV, right? Watch me do this. 131. I've shown this before. 131, 13. Okay, this one's lower. Okay. 129. 
128. This is no good. 115. We're getting there. 115. Can we beat 115? Can we beat it? We got 49 lives. Oh, I, okay. We could have beat. That was 113. I, I, I accidentally deleted it. So now we got to beat 113. Try to go too fast. 113. Anything under 113. Because you also get a clumping issue on the bottom that most likely you're not playing those lineups anyway. Okay, 115, 106. 106. 102. 102. That's 103. Anything that beats 102. 96. What is the optimal, by the way? 117. Okay, 103. That's that's a swing of the bat. 96. 96. And we beat 96. We're almost there. 96. Come on. Yeah, now we're getting way too low. Then now the projection's going down a little. 97 points, 96, 98. Yeah, probably get rid of all the ones on the bottom. There you go. Okay, so now we're down to we're down to 18 lineups. We can take a look at like the projected ownership, right? How much you're getting? You still get look at look how much Pablo Lopez is still here. So it's quite possible at 51 with the projected one of being 51.68, as of you know, obviously what it has right here, he may still be underowned. Pablo Lopez at 52% ownership, according to the bat projections, as of 11 o'clock in the morning, like these numbers. People may go, Oh, I can't play a 50% on pitcher. Well, from the looks of it, he may be, he may be, maybe underowned. And it looks like that Seth Lugo, because you're getting. 61% in the rest of your lineup, 61% Seth Lugo, 28% Bobby Miller. But Bobby Miller's 31% owned, Seth Lugo is 19% owned, and based on that difference, Seth Lugo, Seth Lugo looks to be under-owned, right? It looks like Justin Steele, if we look at the pitchers especially, right? On pitcher ownership, it looks like Justin Steele is going to be over-owned based on the bat projections, based on... But, the projected ownership being 19. Just tell me Justin Steele's going to be 5% owned. Maybe he's not under owned. But it looks like Pablo Lopez is under owned. Seth Lugo is under owned. Bobby Miller is close. He's fine. Justin Steele under owned. It looks like Lance Lynn, they fit in. Lynn and Sandoval are fine. Right? And then we, if we take a look at all hitters, like stack wise. Looks like we're still we're getting still getting tons of the Red Sox at their current ownership. Devers at eighteen percent, Hamilton at nine, ten, Verdugo four, Durant, uh, Durant thirteen, Connor Wong five. Looks like the Red Sox are probably underowned. Just even take a look at just the hitters. All right, we're getting still getting a ton. Look, even though Devers is like eighteen percent projected owned, still getting a ton of them. So if we take a look at just that we sort by ownership, we could see Red Sox, right? Cassis is there. Is there anyone else? It looks like the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays may be a little under-owned. I'm getting some a lot more Guerrero. Brandon Belt. Are the Rangers, I get a little bit more of the Rangers in this set. I mean, obviously, it's only it's only what twenty eight line of eighteen lineups. That's what it looks like. Even though it's an eleven game slate, so obviously the Red Sox. I mean, at their ownership is probably the chalkiest stack on the slate. It looks like the Red Sox, the Rangers, the Blue Jays. All right? Is there is there anyone that's like owned that not that much of? I guess the Dodgers, right? Only one Will Smith lineup. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Don't see many reds here, I guess. Are the reds going to be popular? I don't know. 6%. But this is what you would do. Like if you want to, if you want to know like under owned and over owned and that type of that type of place. But what happens is what happens, this is based on the current projection and the current projected ownership. Let's say, for instance, let's say we 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 talked about that Bobby Miller Seth Lugo thing, right? Bobby Miller, 31% projected owned, Lugo at 19% projected owned. Okay. So let's especially when they're very close in price. So let's change the ownership. Let's say you think Lugo is going to be more owned than Miller. Or they're going to be about the same. Right? Let's let's say they're both, you go, okay, I think they're both going to be about 25%. Right? How would that change things? What lineups would be different? Let's say Pablo Lopez is not going to be 51% on. You go, I think he's going to end up being like 70%. Oh, his raw points are just worth so much here. But maybe we start getting more Justin Steele. Maybe you go, Justin Steele is going to be 19% owned. Maybe Justin Steele is only going to be 9% owned or 10% owned. Just make it even. 10% owned. That's going to change things. Right? We won't even bother with the hitters, but just to show this. Let's even say, let's let's use an extreme example. Let's say, I think uh, Pablo is going to be 80% owned. I don't think he will be, but I'm using this as an example. So now let's run lineups with this. Let's let's put Justin Steele down at 5%, just to show the extremes. Right, and Bobby Miller and Seth Lugo, let's, let's put both at, at 30%. Both at both at thirty percent. Okay, so let's build a hundred lineups now with the adjusted ownership. Swaggly says our round robin's a bad bet. I was forty four and for fifty on props yesterday, and only was plus fifty bucks in the day. That's not good. I don't know what what. Are you just straight? If you're betting straight on pro, straight props, then it doesn't matter. I'm assuming you're talking about like prize picks and stuff. If you had 50 props, you know how many? You know how many bets? How many cards you need to have? So they're not a bad bet. I don't know. You're just not doing them. I mean, you. If you have 50 props, you realize how you realize how many two picks. That could be. I mean, you'd. I don't even know how you get in that many. You'd be at your computer all day doing it, right? Prop one and prop two. Prop one and prop three. Prop one and prop four. Prop one and prop five. Prop one. I mean, it's like forty-nine of those. Then there's forty-eight of the next one. Then there's forty-seven of the next one. It's called factorial. Sportsbook mostly parlays. Nah, why would you parlay? Just bet them straight. What are you doing? Why are you making parlays at all? Obviously, they're plus EV parlay. Par- yes, you're increasing your variance. I'm not saying parlays in and of themselves. I had two eight for nine and lost. What are you doing? Is your goal to make money? Then just bet the props. What's so complicated about this? 
Yesterday, yes, like for instance, yesterday, yesterday I had, uh, what did we have yesterday? Yesterday I had the Dunning, Dunning under, right? Dunning under, Giolito under, Sears under on both pitching outs and strikeouts. The pitching outs didn't come through. What else? And Ortiz under, right? The only, the only thing that, that missed was the, the Sears actually pitched, what, 22? 22 outs, seven and seven point one, but he didn't get he didn't get enough strikeouts. We just bet them individually. Eight and nine. Why are you betting nine leg parlays? Just make money. If you were forty four for fifty on props, you should have cleaned house. If I had fifty props to bet yesterday, I mean, am I? I mean, the size of the the, the cards are going to be so small. But I mean, if, if dude, forty-four out of fifty is why. I mean, you're like that's like eighty-five percent, right? Right, eighty-eight percent. If you were eighty-eight percent on the day, dude, if I was eighty-eight percent on the day every day, I'd be, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't be talking to you people. Of course, that's not sustainable. Just bet them straight. If you, I was thinking that you're like prize picks and underdog, where you have to, you have to parlay. You have, you're forced. These like minus one thirty seven type parlays. That's why I do two picks on those. But if you're not, if you're not, if you don't, if you're at sportsbook, just if I if if I had sportsbook access, which hopefully by the end of the year I will. I mean, I would have just bet like five hundred bucks, five hundred bucks on Gilito's under under six and a half or whatever it was, and maybe not all at one place, right? Try to find the best line, right? The best uh, number possible. But it'd be minus 112 or minus 107 or whatever the hell it is. To get 500 bucks down. Then I would go to Ortiz. Ortiz under, would, would have been under three and a half. You get 500 bucks down on that. The, high, the bigger the edge that you have, the more money you'd like to get down on them. And that's it. Dude, you go 55 plus percent on some of these like just normal, normal props, not like home runs and stolen bases where you don't have to hit them that frequently when you're betting like plus 800, plus 600, those types of things. We go 44 for 50. There's, there's no reason you should be cleaning up, cleaning up. Swaggly says I do about 70% a day. 70% a day on props. I have a hard time with bankroll management and contest wages. Well, yeah, well, obviously you don't have a concept of what you should be betting on. Why you why 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 you do nine-leg parlays on props? Just bet them outright. Bet I I know maybe you don't have a, that big of a bankroll. Bet five bucks each on all of them. Five bucks each on 50 props is 250 bucks. And there you go. 44 out of 50. You should have made. You should have made what at of 250 bucks. You should have made what 200 bucks? Easy. Betting five dollars each. Something like that, right? Bizarre. Just bet the goddamn props. JWH asks, uh, what do you think about only playing six-leg prop plays on prize picks since the implied odds need to beat on six is minus 119 versus minus 137? In the long run, yes, but good luck. Good luck winning those. I mean, obviously, you're increasing your variance because you're not going to hit six-leg prop plays that that often. You also have to be able to find six of them. Dude, there's some there's some days I can't find I can't find six that are worth even putting on putting down. Yeah, minus 119 is, you're right, it is better. But I mean, who says you can find many of those? Typically, if you find minus 119, you're finding the minus, minus 137 as it is. I prefer two, 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 round robin, two picks. Underdog, I'll do a little bit more because underdog, the three pick, the three pick pays more than prize picks. So I'm much more likely to wheel three picks on underdog and two picks on. Prize picks. But yes, you dude, the five, six leg flex type of stuff is 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 a is a slightly lower hold. Yes, you're right. 
But imagine, imagine having, imagine, imagine being the, the, the swaggly guy. I have 50 of them. There's no, there's no CSV upload for these things. Good luck. Good luck manually entering every combination of five pick that you have out of 50. You might as well beat your head against the wall. Okay, so we ran these lineups right here. Obviously, still getting a ton of Pablo Lopez. So we ran all these lineups again with the new, the new pit, the, uh, the uh, adjusted pitcher ownership. Okay, so we're going to get rid of now, obviously, 196, 197. So we're going to start getting rid of these, the same thing that we did before, 196, 188. 186. We beat 186. Yvonne going. 186. 89? Is that close? Nope. Nope. Doesn't get there. 186. 185. 185. Nope. No good. 191. 182 is good. Okay. We got to beat 182. 174. 166. 101. Oh, no. That, that was just, that was a speech of schmutz on my monitor. 166, 191. I'm like, that that dropped really heavily. So we're getting rid of everything until we get to get beat 166. Right. 166. Remember, this is with the adjusted ownership, which is obviously extreme. It's I, it's not what I think it's going to be, but at the time, this is what you would adjust the ownership to what you think. And how does it affect who was over-owned and who was under-owned? What lineups that come out? 166. They beat 166. 167 is no good. 166. 167. Nope. 166. 154. Okay, now we got to beat 154. One fifty four. Where are you? And like I said, this this process is way quicker. You do it in the portfolio trimmer tool as part of the theory of DFS for advanced players. This is the manual way to do it. One fifty one. Okay, but you don't need that. You could do it this way. This takes longer. In the portfolio trimmer in Excel, it takes. Two seconds. If that, if that. 149. Okay. Can we beat 149? 149. Where? Oh, 146. Okay, we got 146. Can we beat 146? 139. Another 139. Okay, that's good also. 139.42. 139.19. 125, 125, here we be, 125, come on, we're almost there, 125, 115, okay, we got a 115-er, let's see if we could beat 115, 104, okay, got a 104, and now the points are going way down, okay, 98, and maybe the last lineup we go for. 82? Okay, we could do the 82 one. Yeah, let's cut it off right there. Okay, so we're down 19 lineups. Okay? We do the same thing that we did before. Take a look at ownership. Let, let's take a look at those pictures again. Right? At the projected ownership that we changed it to, Pablo Lopez... At 80% owned, you're still getting like 79% of. So one could say that Pablo Lopez at 80% owned, he may be efficiently owned. Maybe he should be 80% owned. Obviously, once we made Bobby Miller and Seth Lugo at similar ownership, since Bobby Miller is projected for like one point higher than Lugo, we're getting a little bit more Bobby Miller than Seth Lugo. While... The other way, when it was 31 to 19 in projected ownership, Seth Lugo 
was under-owned and Bobby Miller was over-owned. Now, now it looks like they're much more efficiently owned. Actually, Luca looks like over-owned here if he was 30% owned. And then look, at 5% ownership, we're getting a lot more Justin Steele now. Now Steele is under-owned. Sandoval, he's getting a little bit more Sandoval. He's getting Alex Cobb in there. I don't know if that matters that much. You see here, it's like, okay. Maybe the efficient ownership on Pablo Lopez should be 80% on this slate. And Bobby Miller and Seth Lugo should be closer in ownership. I mean, these are the types of things that you could look at and just tell. Like if I, I don't have to run all of this. You could look and I could go, okay, let me take a look at ownership. And I go, Bobby Miller, like this is the, this is the one we currently have, 31 and 19. I would look and I go, it's very similar price, right? Miller's 400 more. He's only one point higher projected. And the ownership is like a three to two gap. I could look at this and go, yeah, Lugo's probably a little under-owned. At least in relation to Bobby Miller. And I'd look at this and I'd go, Justin Seals 10.3K. And Bobby Miller at 2,000 cheaper is a half a point better projected. So you look, Justin Steele probably shouldn't be 19% owned. He probably should be under that. If he's going to be 19% owned, he'd be over-owned, right? You could just look. You could literally just look because that's how lineups, that's a, the concept of how lineups get made. You want to you get the most rejection for the least salary and at the least ownership. So once you put in that lens, you may not even have to go. I could just eyeball it. I could go here and I, I could look and I go, yeah, based on that, and then based on looking around and how people build lineups, I may go like, yeah, the fact that Justin Steele projects for just 16 at 10.3K, maybe he's not going to be 19% owned. Maybe enough people see that, you know, oh, they're not getting that much of him in lineups. So maybe he ends up coming in at 10. And it's not a matter of like, oh, this guy touted him or something like that. It's just, I built, I tried building a bunch of lineups and I didn't get much of Justin Steele. I have to expect, my opponents may that may end up happening to my opponents as well. So I will reduce his ownership. I go, okay, about 10. 10 sounds good. Well, how much did you reduce it? There's no, there's not that for me to answer that question, there's no, there's no answer. I, I I pull numbers out of a hat. I mean, just off the top of my head. Well, just like, oh, Pablo Lopez, he's gonna be 51. Is he gonna be 60? And I change the number to whatever, whatever I feel like, or just leave it alone. I look, I see certain stacks coming up way too much. I go, okay, let's go, let's go to the Red Sox. Right? I would just go. I'd just say, okay, I'm gonna go over there, go to the Red Sox. Right. I would look here. I would look at the, you know, point for dollar wise, the highest projected, you know, players, right? Type of thing. And obviously the highest raw points. So maybe I'd be like Devers is 26 and Hamilton is 13, 14. And Asis and Turner both share a position, so maybe you don't get as much of a bump from him. Maybe he's 12. Maybe Jaron Duran is more like, because he's 2,800 and leading off, maybe he's more like 20% owned. Maybe Connor Wong goes up to 8%. Right? This is what I'd do. Maybe Verdugo's more like 7%, and Arroyo is more like 10%. Justin Turner may not move that much, 5%. Yoshida... Have some raw points, but he may not be owned that much. Right? Maybe I do that. And then I run lineups. Right? After I run and I go, okay, I'm getting a lot of this team. I also have to expect other people are going to get a lot of this team also, which means their ownership is going to go up. Pretty, pretty self-explanatory. But like the numbers, I just changed them to. Like, can, well, why'd you change them to this? And why'd you change? I, I decided to. That's there's no scientific process. I'm not nerdy tenor. I'm not running it through. I'm just from my experience, knowing how people how how the fields play. I go, I think this team is gonna be higher on than this. By how much? I don't know. I'm just gonna make a judgment call. Am I gonna be wrong sometimes? Sure. But I'm right more often than not. I tend to I tend to nail a lot of a lot of the key the key ownership much more than some ownership projections. So yeah, so I trust myself. There's no scientific process to it.
Okay. If you got any questions, obviously send them in. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. That's what we do on the show, right? You send in your questions and I answer them, right? So questions at theoryofdfs.com. Another show tomorrow, right? Answering more questions. And MMA on uh, Friday. We'll take a first look at the UFC slate. This slate, boy. This slate, boy, for UFC. Good luck finding an underdog. Jeez. There's like, I mean, look, look at my, my, I mean, I just, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, Bo Nickel just got a new opponent, Val Woodburn. He's going to be like minus 2,300, right? Jack Della Maddalena, uh, that, that, it's not even in the system. So he's going to be a million, fa- I mean, look at these, fa- I mean, like, dude, like two to one favorites are like, oh, that's going to be a close man. I mean, look, we have five to ones, nine to ones, 10 to ones. They're going to be people being destroyed on Saturday. And good luck finding any of them. Basically, if you're able to find the one or two underdogs that actually do win, you got it. And then you still have to pick, you know, the right, you know, two or three of like like eight other fighters that could score 100 million points. Which ones are going to be better? That's it's one hell of a slate. One hell of a slate. But we'll talk about that on Friday. I'll answer your questions. More questions tomorrow. So submit them. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. We got Grinders Live later today. Crunch time. We got scores and odds channel. We got the Will. We'll just did the take them, pick them. You can take them and leave them if you want. If you want to leave them, just feel free to leave them or take them or pick them. Do any of those things. But, but yeah, so we got tons of stuff on the channel. So subscribe. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door, and I'll see you tomorrow answering your DFS strategy questions like I always do. Monday through Friday. 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.